everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Um, happy, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're alive. Congrats. Yes, everyone's, brave. everyone listening hopefully is alive. Uh, the, the, yeah. the Braves lost an NLCS game yesterday. The Braves and the fun. Astros. <laughs> Braves and the Astros. That's yeah, great. And you're you're an adopted Dodgers fan, so you're happy. Yeah, it's fine to me. I mean, I was I, I said on Twitter, um, I, I, I'm I'm feeling pretty owned right now because my my daughter, I, I allowed my kids to be Dodgers fans over Mets fans because I didn't want them to suffer the same fate that I have. And uh, my daughter has now seen more her team in the World Series more in in 25 months of, of life. And I've, well, as many times in 25 months of life as I've seen mine in 32 years. Great. <laughs> just, 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 it's super cool. I do appreciate that we have like the, and, and again, we're starting with baseball. If you really are that worried about that, considering the state of the Syracuse football program, I, I question your, uh, I question you in a lot of ways. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the fact that we have like the penalty, like ultimate right now, even more so than the Yankees like full on big market uh, by everybody team versus the, I think the lowest payroll in baseball and like the complete antithesis. So that's at least fun. Yeah. I think the Rays are 28th and the Dodgers are second right now. The Dodgers secretly, like for, for those that aren't on the West coast, they've actually like, you, you see that there's some big names on the roster, but if you look up and down the roster, there's actually a lot of got homegrown guys. And like, yeah, they, 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 they did a really good job of balancing out those big contracts with the best farm system in baseball. Yeah. And you need that. Like that's, that's a huge part. Cause then like you can buy a bunch of people, but um, the secret sauce I think is kind of getting that homegrown uh, talent, especially to like bolster a bullpen and, and like having pitching depth and whatnot. So I just realized I forgot to put my microphone in. So I'm going to do that now. That's yeah. Funny. So also missing their microphone this week, Syracuse football. Syracuse missing more than that this week. Uh, I, Dan, your uh, your initial thoughts at, at at the end of the debacle. Oh man, um, I think I mean it's it's just so bad on so many levels. Uh, not the least being which that it was Liberty of all the teams. Like if this was like Toledo, like I think it wouldn't have felt quite as bad, but still pretty bad. Um, I don't know that it's like the worst. Would have felt like payback for two thousand eleven. Yeah, honestly, they probably kind of earned it. Um, Liberty, <laughs> not so much. Um, it's just like so frustrating because like again, like the game wasn't even that over until like pretty late, like probably the late third quarter is when like you really it set in. But there were some like I think it's almost more frustrating that there were things that actually were going okay. Like I don't think Rets played super well. Um I, the numbers probably look better than I think the reality. And and I looked on PFF earlier and like they have this game only ahead of the DeVito pit game, um, in terms of and that was DeVito's worst performance, I think, of the year. Um, every other game, DeVito played pretty highly on our team. And I think we've talked about that. Like, the the numbers don't quite indicate, like, some of the things he was doing well. And in this case, like, I think Retz's numbers um, were better than how things actually went um, in terms of the touchdowns and whatnot. Uh, but, like, Sean Tucker looked really good again. Um, Taj Harris continues to be, like, sneakily really productive. Anthony Keeley got uh, going. We actually saw some tight ends again. Um, granted, not like the best all the time, but then like it's it's almost more frustrating this year. We saw a, bit, a bunch of this last year where like there are games where the offense looks okay and then the defense falls apart, and there are games where the defenses look great and the offense isn't able to get anything going. And it'd almost be more comfort comforting if we were just be able, able to say like, okay, 
the offense has some things. The injuries are bad. The defense, like, we're still adjusting to the three three five. Like, it's a work in progress. Um, the fact that the defense is able to play, like, really well for most of the team against UNC, which um, this past weekend of UNC football notwithstanding, is, like, at least probably a top 20 offense in the country, uh, and then lay this kind of an egg against Liberty um, is really frustrating because it makes you, like, question how good things looked early versus the offense. Like, things were inconsistent, but we know that. Um, so yeah, it just, it's, it, it was a frustrating game on a lot of levels. I don't think it was like the worst loss we've had recently. I think the Akron loss people cited is like still way worse because the Liberty team is actually okay. Um, and that Akron team was really bad. Uh, but like, you know, the game we didn't want to play for a lot of non-football reasons. Um, and it's still one that we should have won. Like you shouldn't be losing to a team like Liberty. Um, if you're a team like Syracuse and you have aspirations to be at least like a decent G, uh, power five program, it happens, but, um, yeah, it's just just rough all around uh, and very demoralizing the way they were able to just run the ball down our throats, seven yards of tarry, 338 yards uh, without their main running back, I think, didn't really play. Um, so it's just not great. Yeah, I, mean, I think it brought up a lot of good points. I think, you know, after we talk about the game a little bit, maybe we try to rank the uh, the, the worst games in recent memory um, just for fun because that's sort of the podcast we are. Uh, but I, I completely agree with you on Rex. I, I think that, um, the game plan at first seemed to be very tailored toward um, his strengths. There, there were some exceptions. I felt like there were a few too many shots downfield for a guy that doesn't have a really strong or accurate arm downfield. I felt like that derailed momentum on a lot of drives. I feel like realistically, like Rex was completing passes. Um, he was completing slants. He was uh, completing passes close to the line of scrimmage. Like he had an opportunity here to run like Syracuse's offense as intended in a way um, Sean Tucker was running the football. Uh, th- this was a Syracuse team that could have easily run really the closest thing to its offense all year and done a really good job with it. Like I completely stand by my comments during and after the game that like DeVito, if he had been in this one would have been upright the whole game and probably would have thrown for 400 plus yards. Like there, there was single coverage all over the place. Taj Harris was found in single coverage down the field numerous times. Anthony Quilly, uh, Courtney Jackson was downfield a couple times. Like, I'm not saying all those balls were caught. You know, Culpepper ended up um, with, with a poor uh, completion percentage, but realistically, like I think a lot of that comes from s- some chucking in, in the third and fourth quarters, um, as well as just uh, some puzzling, uh, you know, play calling decisions. I think you and I, and really the whole staff, and a lot of fans have been on the play calling a ton since last year, and I think this year um, it's come under even more scrutiny as Sterling Gilbert takes over. I definitely found, I mean, one that a, a few fans have pointed out, and I know uh, you probably remember too, is after like two successful runs to get us into a third and two situation um, in Liberty territory, uh, we proceeded to chuck the ball downfield, uh, kind of derailed the drive, ended up in a punt. There, there were numerous other you know instances where we were running the ball really well or using screens really well. Um, and then kind of taking our shots downfield. And, and while I, I, I don't mind that approach when you have a guy that can complete that pass, um, I think doing it too early in drives, I think doing it too often um, just seems it, – it just seemed to lack – it didn't lack creativity as much as it lacked a knowledge for the personnel it was working with. Yeah, I, I buy that. I think there was definitely, like set, like you said, senses of – hey, we really like change things up to, to make the best of what Rex can do versus what DeVito does. And then it seemed like we just kind of like got rid of that and then took those shots downfield, which really just isn't like his game. And um, 
you know, you can't just like pretend like it is like you have to, to call the team for the quarterback you have in there. And if it's not what you want to run, like if one of the other guys and, and we'll, you know, hopefully see this in a couple of weeks uh, after the Clemson game, like if one of the other guys has a bigger arm, if it's uh, Markowitz or, or, or uh, Summers or whoever, like uh, Morgan, um, then you want to try to like fit them into the system, then like play them. But don't like make Retz do something that he's just like is not going to be successful doing. It's just um, very much like a square peg round hole situation. Um, this is a theme he's not too. Gonna... For, well, this is a theme too for the staff. I mean, you remember even um, back in like when Dungy was Dungy was here. Um, you'd have when Zach Mahoney came in. You'd it have like Dungy... a game or two for them to like fit, like shift it over. Yeah, or or like when Devito came in for Dungy, you'd see Devito having design runs. <laughs> like like I what I never understood was why just take those pages out of the playbook. And 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 to me, like that that's an alarming. And we'll get to Babers a little bit, but that to me is a very alarming aspect of like this team's game plan on a week to week basis is is how locked in they are on certain things. Um, one other thing I think that hasn't been talked about a ton, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like. You remember in the first couple of years, like it was a big deal made about like the first 15 plays or so were usually pretty scripted. Um, and, and it usually seemed like we were very crisp, really knew what we were doing. And I feel like that's just not the case anymore. And I don't know if that's a product of Dino changing how he does things, the fact that Sean Lewis left, whatever. Um, but, but I do think like starting slow in many cases as we have this year um, through, I think, just about every game, definitely not definitely not indicative of a team that really understands what it's working with. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's right. Even like, like the early, the early Babers years, like that was one of the things where you could point to like, Hey, if we could actually get the whole game going the way that these first couple drives go, like there's real reason for upside there. And uh, yeah, no, I think I agree. That's, I think there've been some early drives that have looked good, but it definitely doesn't seem like we have that same Christmas coming out. There's just, and that's the other thing that's really frustrating. Like, this team seems a lot worse coached than it was two years ago. And it's very easy to say, considering we won 10 games two years ago. But, like, you talk about, like, the special teams, which were amazing. And some of that's personnel. Um, you know, they're still pretty good, but they're not they're not as, like, spot on every, every aspect as they were. Um, and just, like, some of the things that, like, go beyond talent, like the penalties, um, just, you know, stuff that really comes down to good coaching and uh, commitment and um, – just like having an idea of like knowing exactly what you're supposed to be doing just don't seem to be there the same way that they were even, even at times in like 2014 and 15, or, um, we're not 2014, 15, uh, 16, 17, like the first couple years under Babers. Like it just seems like he, you could really see a shift from the, the early Babers or Schaefer to Babers years when he was deading, he was kind of making this team his own. And it almost seems like uh, we've lost some of those things that, that were like good early indicators, even when the wins weren't coming. And that's, that's, that's troubling. Yeah, I think that's a good segue too into like what we think of the the job that Babers is doing right now. Obviously, like since the ten and three season, he's gone six and eleven um, in the seventeen games since one and four this year. We were five and seven last year. Um, there, there's not really a lot to love about things this year. Obviously, like they're the fact they really the, the most positive aspect of, of this team is that um, they you know I believe they still lead the country in turnovers. If not, they're they're still like in the they're top close. three or five. Yeah, like they had two last week, so they might have lost their lead. But realistically, like this is still uh, one of the best ball hawking teams in the country, despite the fact that, um, you know, Trill Williams didn't play the whole game, despite Eric Coley's been out most of the season, despite the fact that Andre Sisco has been out since, you know, the third game and he's not coming back at all. Um, obviously, you have various other absences around the defense. Like 
th- this is clearly a team that that understands uh, how to you know turn other teams over, uh, force teams into into bad situations, force teams to make poor decisions. Like that's great. Um, that's really one of the only things going right right now. And, and I think to me, it's just it, it, it's getting a, it, like. I wouldn't say it's my job or anyone's job to defend Babers. I think it's, I think given the amount of frustration about last season, um, I've sort of definitely put myself into a role of playing devil's, devil's advocate on certain things. Um, I, I think after this weekend between the game and then some of Dino's comments afterward, uh, I, I it's harder and harder to play devil's advocate on like, okay, but if we just do X, Y, and Z, then this thing turns around. Yeah. It's, um, it it's part of the, the problem. Like there are, there are other coaches that would take a much different tack. And I, I, I get, I think like Babers is being pretty honest because he, he at least like seems kind of bummed out and like at kind of a loss for, for good answers. And that's probably like realistically what the case is, but um, you kind of look for him to be more sure of where things are going. And he's just like, you're just not getting that. And there's only so many times you can kind of go back to the same well of, you know, having faith and, and whatnot. And like the players, you know, seem like they still believe in him and whatnot. And, and, you know, we're going to talk all year about how based on the situation right now, based on what his buyout, honestly, just, I mean, just to be very frank, what his buyout probably looks like. um, There are a lot of reasons to like, just say like next year is going to be the decisive one, not this year, but um, it's, it's, you know, you can't really blame anyone for being frustrated by it because, it does seem like we've pretty much totally squandered the momentum of, of uh, two years ago. I guess the one like up the upshot is um, I think it was Mike Metallister with that SI piece, like interviewed or talked to at least, I think almost all of our commits and like, they don't seem super deterred, which is good. And that's usually the case. Like when someone commits um, uh, there isn't like a huge um, factor in terms of like how the team performs there. Now, if you have like a shocking something like uh fall off, like that'll be bad, but it seems like most of the commits are understand like the situation with the injuries. And, and that almost feels like it's going understated, honestly. And it, it's, it's, and it's used to a certain extent because all teams deal with it, but I don't think most teams deal with like the, the level that we have this year. And like, which maybe is, well, no, it, it's, it, it's, it's a product of, I think a lot of things, but in particular, like, one thing that I'll say people are rational, uh, rational in calling for is what the hell's going on with the strength and conditioning. Yeah. Staff? And that's definitely part of it. I, I, my, I was talking to my, I was with my, uh, my parents this weekend and like, I explained like, Oh, you know, the quarterbacks hurt, the all American safeties hurt the, I think we had like, I think uh, Stephen Bailey calculated we had like 15 of our top 40 players out. And like, obviously that's, you know, someone, one person's ranking, but seems about right. Um, and she actually said, like, is there, is their training staff bad? And I'm like, you know, mom, maybe, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I but, wouldn't, no. I wouldn't call them good at the moment. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's one. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a fair question just because, you know, if Babers is going to have to make some changes ahead of 2021 anyway, because he already made the coordinator changes and he's, and I don't think they're going to give up on Gilbert or white. Um, and I don't think either would be appropriate at this point before next year barring, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But if you have to make a, a change in the training staff or something, like just just do it because um, based on the way things are going, next year's going to be pretty do or die anyway. And if it's not him, it's going to be uh, the next coach in all likelihood. So, um, and it was pretty jarring to see Babers pretty openly say like, I, I think it was like uh, the quote about freshmen becoming juniors and, and whatnot, um, which was like a, real, a really weird piece of honesty that that you don't know he's different approach but he's like oh i hope someone gets to to use like have these guys when they're upperclassmen um so i think he pretty clearly knows he's up against it so 
Um, obviously, we're still supporting him and rooting for him, but you, there, there becomes a time with every coach where you kind of know. I don't think we're there yet, but um, you can't just lean on like, you know, injuries are a valid excuse to a certain extent, but when they happen every year, you do have to wonder if there's something you can be doing better. Um, so, I, I mean, I'll be interested to, to hear, you know, I, I wonder if someone's going to ask them, like, hey, why is this like a, an issue for us almost every year, aside from that 2018 season where we had everyone, you know, pretty much stay okay. Um, so it's it's tough. Like, it's it's tough for, like, a coach to answer to, to, to injuries of all things because I think that's probably the thing that they have, like, the least control over. Oh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, p- part of it, I, I think, is Syracuse being undersized at some positions. Um, I, I think a lot of our linebackers are just a little undersized. I think our offensive linemen, this is something we're talking about in the comments today, but uh, just about, like, you know, Dino was recruiting kind of smaller, well, slimmer, quicker linemen at the beginning to deal with tempo. Then we started realizing that, like, the tempo wasn't going to be the differentiating factor necessarily um, as much. And we were still getting mauled by uh, bigger defensive lines. So then we started recruiting bigger offensive linemen. Um, but in the meantime, while we're waiting for those guys to be able to, to start, we're kind of with these like, you know, in between units. Um, obviously, like our running backs, you're seeing a guy like, you know, while when he first came in, I maybe saw Sean Tucker as someone who was similar to, to a Moneal. Um, like when he first got to campus, ends up Sean Tucker, you know, was a 5'11, 200 pound guy and runs like he's 5'11", 200 pounds. Um, and while he has a lot of speed, he, he very much can hit people the same way that like a Jarvie and Howard does. And like, you're seeing some of those changes, like the way we've recruited uh, receivers differently is everybody's pretty much like 6'3", 6'4", or 6'5". Like there've been changes. We just haven't necessarily seen them on the field yet. And like, that's not to defend what's happened um, as much as just to say, like, you can see that some of Baber's, moves from recruiting standpoint and talent acquisition standpoint um, have been uh, made with these problems in mind. And, and, and I think at the same time, like, and Kevin's piece got into this, like balancing out the what's Baber's fault and what isn't um, ultimately he's accountable either way, but at least when you look at like what's happened with the offensive line, like we've had so many medical DQs, there's so many guys injured right now. Like, if you look at the last four like offensive line classes, like almost half those guys are either not on campus or injured. Like, uh, so uh, of course this offensive line is hot garbage. Yeah, the the his piece looking at like all the guys who just didn't make it. Like it's you get, you forget about those those players honestly. Even we do if you don't like actively think about it. But that's a huge piece because when you recruit five offensive linemen, like maybe you expect one doesn't pan out in one way or another, but you can't plan for like a third of them to just like completely be non-factors. And you can't just like, it's hard to make up for that because making up for it's like, maybe you grab a Juco down the line and they're there for a year or two, or you take an extra flyer on a late, a late uh, recruit or something. And those diets have a, a lower hit rate. Uh, the diets that you're adding late in the process. So um, it does have a lasting impact unless you just get lucky with a die that you replace that spot with. But um, yeah, it's, it's a big factor. And, and, you know, there's only so much again there. Like maybe you can say, you know, if it's if it's a guy that a lot of other big teams weren't recruiting, like you, the expectations for that player weren't maybe, you know, uh, outsized anyway. But like a lot of these guys that we've recruited at the offensive line position have been pretty decent recruits, or at least like have a couple other Power Five offers. And if a Boston College or a Louisville or a Minnesota or someone has also offered this guy, like then, you know, how wrong was uh, Babers for thinking they might be a, a player? Um, 
now the injuries are another thing like some of the medical disqualifications you know we've talked about Syracuse maybe having slightly tougher standards in certain uh, aspects especially with concussions that have been uh that have come into you know not coming to question, but have been at the core of some of these situations. And I, I, I lean towards um, being more uh, conservative with that kind of stuff and, and not risking a player's health, even if they want to play. Um, but it just, it's, it makes it really tough and it's tough to build depth. And that's been at the core of so many of the issues that Syracuse has had going back to like, I mean, Robinson was just a really bad coach, but like Marone early years, Schaefer at times, like, a lot of what's been the problem is we've been behind the eight ball so often in not like recruiting up, not like uh, talent wise all the time, but just getting the numbers on the field and, and the numbers in practice. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point there that, uh, I mean, Steve on staff is is doing a little bit of research for an article this week. And one of the things he found too, is like less than 60 players dressed for the game um, this weekend. Like that's not, that's not normal. And, like, it kind of gets back to what we were saying. Like, injuries happen. Injuries like this don't. And somebody has to be accountable for that. Yeah, it's, like, something has to change because there are, you know, I'm sure there have been, like, times where, like, Maryland has had, what, the two years in a row or two years and three seasons, two of three seasons where they were down to their fourth quarterback. Like, those situations occur, so it's not just us. But it's us a very uh, large percentage of the time. And, like, at least get us to a point where we have, like, like, Cultural average injuries, and I'd take that pretty because a lot of it is just luck. Like, but when it's it's bad every single year, and it's worse than I'd say seventy five percent of programs, like almost every year, or like you know sits out of seven years, then like there's something that can be done. Like you have to you have to find something because other other programs don't have the same level of uh, issue, um, or at least it just doesn't come back to bite them. And and then there's other questions, but. It's just uh, it's hard to like just make this a 2020 thing because everything's so weird now um, this year, and, and a lot of it's just like so far beyond the control of the coaches. But that is one thing where it's hard to diagnose exactly what the problem is and figure out exactly what the solution is. But you've got to try something. So hopefully, we you know at the end of the season um, after we've you know assessed a lot of extra players and gotten young guys some time, hopefully, and uh, I think that's going to be a big goal post Clemson. And we talked about this last week, but. It's worth bringing up, um, you know, hopefully taking into uh, account, like, what can this program do to, like, just make the issues on the margins less uh, less pervasive? Because a, a program that has the built-in limitations of Syracuse just can't afford for those things to also be working against it. Yeah, I agree there, and not to belabor the point, but I think, like, too, like, that's where you see, uh, like, the stupid penalties – uh, things like that that like just hammer home the point that, like Syracuse doesn't have a lot of wiggle room um, and when thing like the amount of things needed to go really right for 2018 I think gets clearer and clearer um, you know w- w- with each passing month with each passing game this season um, and I think like again when you see like stupid penalties just poor decisions uh, bad play calling things like that like Syracuse can't can survive one of those things maybe two you can't survive all of them um, and, and that's what's coming to a head this season. You're just, we're just always working uh, on a pretty tight, um, you know, you're walking a really tight margin and like you look at 2018, it was great, but um, there was like a couple things that could have gone right where, where it would have been even more incredible. And there were a lot of things that were 
um, that could have gone wrong. I mean, we had to replace our starting quarterback twice during the year. And, and if not for Tommy DeVito being like really good in the games where he came in, except for the Notre Dame game, like a lot of teams would have lost those games. They would have won eight games. Like we, and we've seen that multiple times. We saw 2010 and 2012, like both those seasons could have been better if not for um, a couple of like stupid things uh, that, that held us back. Um, so it, it's, it's always like kind of a tightrope with trying to have a real breakout season with Syracuse and, uh, yeah, you just can't afford to have like an insurmountable level of injuries like every couple of years, plus just doing stupid things. Like it just just not gonna work. Agreed, agreed. Um, Dan, I wanted to uh, just kind of give a shout out to uh, our friends at Homefield, and then we can jump to some beer um, if that's cool. So people are familiar at this point. Uh, Homefield Apparel has some really really great uh, vintage, super comfortable. Um, college merch obviously we're partial to the syracuse stuff uh dan and i might also be partial to some of the tulane gear as well maybe you have a second team that you root for by way of a weird podcast or some sort of family affiliation uh but they're adding schools each and every week i know they had florida state last week uh louisville this week i don't know what they're doing this coming saturday but um these these launches are getting uh bigger and 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 more entertaining and there's a lot of schools on board Uh, a lot of acc schools too uh, for, for random uh, r- random hanger-ons that, that happen to be joining us this week. So, uh, yeah, I would highly recommend checking out Homefield Apparel. Um, if you're going to buy Syracuse or any other gear, uh, you can save 10% uh, with our code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S. Um, hopefully, uh, maybe even Troy himself buys some. Who knows? Yeah, it's uh, it'd be really funny if, <laughs> if Troy... Like, I could just imagine Troy... Who angrily, um, angrily typing his last name <laughs> has an interesting relationship with the blog. Um, typing in his own last name, get ten percent off. But uh, he should, because like, why wouldn't you want to get ten percent off? Um, and obviously, he's a uh, a proud alumnus. So yeah, Troy, get some get some home field stuff. Yeah, why not? You know, like vintage apparel, especially the comfortable kind, is uh, is always good. I know you and I have a a good fleet of uh, of Syracuse vintage shirts. I currently have a, a vintage Washington Bullet shirt that was not made by Homefield, but is nonetheless very comfortable as well. Yeah, I wore the '90s style uh, Syracuse U, like the blue and orange, um, with like the cool font uh, that someone I think when it launched described as like kind of looked like uh, like the word art that you you do in like Microsoft <laughs> Word back in the day, and it does look like that, but like in the best way. Um, so that will not be worn next Saturday because I've just been rotating through these shirts, uh, since the Georgia tech game. Um, so we'll have to go. I don't know what I haven't worn yet in terms of for, for, uh, for a game. Um, I think, I don't think I've worn V to the dope during a game yet. So that might have to be, uh, the Clemson game just as it's like the weirdest possible one. Uh, and if we beat Clemson, I might just have to wear Vita the rest of the year. I wore my new Vita shirt for, um, I think, the UNC or the Pitt game, and that didn't go well. Um, <laughs> I wore, actually, my, my 2003 uh, championship, uh, basketball champion shirt this past weekend, and that didn't go well. Um, the only shirt that went well so far this year has actually been my, uh, my 2009-10 Big East regular season champs t-shirt. <laughs> I wore strip cues for the Georgia Tech game, and then I wore strip cues again for the Duke game. So um, we got one win out of it, but uh, it's on the sideline until we until we get a real trend going. I, I just have yeah, I, I have a lot more shirts to go. 
Um, I'm not going to get through them all, but I, I think this coming weekend might be my new auto shirt from home field. That's um, the one I haven't worn at all yet. So that's, that's still, this is the longest, this is the longest ad read of all time. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Although I listen to some podcasts, it's like five minutes of ad reads. We're not going to do that, but we're getting close. I mean, and... well, there's stuff like the full cast where like, it's just like, you don't really know where it ends. <laughs> just Fair. is. Um, so we're not quite on that territory. So home field, uh, they're good. Yeah. Again, noons for ten percent off. Um, Dan, what have you been drinking so we can give some free uh, some free uh, ad dollars to, uh, to to these breweries? I don't think I drank anything this past week, which I realized as we were going in. I drank a lot last weekend, and then I didn't. Don't think I drank anything this weekend. I was working. What? I was hanging out with my family. Um, yeah, I just I I just like had nothing. I went down to the, the Jersey Shore, and um, we just had nothing in the house, and I just didn't get down to the brewery or get over somewhere. So I had a dry weekend, but that will uh, that will change this weekend. Huh. Fair enough. Um, on my end, uh, a lot of repeats from last week. Um, Hello LA uh, from Highland Park, Nelson, Nelson Spaceship also from them, and Timbo Pills also had. Uh, I stopped into the uh, Total Wine near me. I grabbed a bottle of uh, Temptation uh, Wild Ale from Russian River that I haven't had since uh, 2014, and uh, and it still was just as good as I remembered. So I was very glad I grabbed a bottle of that. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I need to. We're almost out of beer here, so I need to. I actually need to go to the store soon, which uh, is exciting. So I will um, keep everyone abreast on that situation next week. <laughs> but I, I vow to drink some beer this week. Nice. Yeah, I, I have some new additions coming uh, in the mail, so that should be good. Um, Dan, so we're not going to talk much about the Clemson game, even though the title of this episode will be the Clemson preview. Um, <laughs> it's I mean, we've done it before, so you're all fine with it, and you don't want to hear about the Clemson game anyway. So first we're going to talk about Dan, what would be like the five like worst games, maybe not losses, but like the five worst games for Syracuse since like Greg Robinson took over. So I went through and ranked. Um, I went through more longer than five while we were talking PC brought it up. Um, I, I can only go that to 2008 just because like, I know like the Iowa game and whatnot, but I wasn't a fan yet. So like, it's tough for me to like, I don't think that's worse though. Like that, 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 that was a legitimate like overtime game against the top 15 teams. I don't think that's the worst game as much as it was just a gut punch. So I have like a mix. Cause there's like really awful games um, in terms of just like, we got slaughtered or there are games that were like bitter disappointments because of like what they meant. Um, or, or quality, like it's a whole rolled in. I actually did 15 <laughs> going back to 08, which... Uh, this is this is excessive even for us. I know, but I was just like going through year by year. And uh, so I'll, I'll just quickly run them now. I'll go b- bottom to top. So this is 15. Because I already typed them out. I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, we have to talk about Clemson. Um, 2016 Louisville. And all, this only really makes the list because we, every time any highlight of Lamar Jackson comes up from college, it is him hurtling, uh, was it Richie Desir? Um, I thought it was Cordy. It might have been Cordy. Either way, really poor, unfortunate defensive back. That's Although like that highlight from highlight. this past weekend might have like finally eclipsed it because that was great. Yeah, and he has so many other highlights, and it's it's like weird that that's just the go to whenever they show college. Um, so that's the only reason that makes the list. Like it was a tough loss, but we hung in there for a while. We were like big underdogs. It's just like an anno- annoying thing. Um, Fourteen later that year, uh, the Wake Forest game, twenty eight nine in like a downpour, and this wouldn't have made the list stuff that was there, and I was just so. <laughs> cold and wet <laughs> it's just awful um 2013 versus penn state at metlife uh we should have started trail hunt we didn't we probably would have won if we started trail hunt um and we didn't uh 
yeah, so that was disappointing. Um, then I went this year's Duke game, um, which is probably only on here because it's fresh in my mind. But like, you know, I think they're, they're this in the Liberty game are like kind of when you know a season's kind of lost and a couple of those are in this. Um, then I went 2018 Clemson, which like we played really well. Um, it's just like, we really should have won that game. It was 27-23, uh, the game that uh, Chase Bryce team in. So back to back Chase Bryce teams. Uh, 2012 Northwestern, uh, the 42-41 loss that we, uh, there's a bad penalty on Keon Lynn late. Um, I was at that game. It was about 130 degrees in the Carrier Dome. Um, first game of the season, uh, refs really screwed us. Um, 2009, uh, Minnesota overtime loss, 23-20. Dudley Rohn's first game, fumbles, snap, I think, early in the game. Uh, Should have won. Um, 2015 at USF, uh, 45-24. Um, this was a game where I knew Scott Schaefer was toast. Uh, and it was like, they, they didn't look good at, uh, under um, Willie Taggart, like his entire tenure until this game. Um, and it was really like, it's kind of save Willie Taggart's job. But then I think this is when we knew Scott Schaefer was, was done. Uh, 2017 versus Middle Tennessee, 30-23. Uh, also Scott Schaefer uh, involved here for reasons that don't need to be uh, further explained. Um, 2019 Maryland, 6320. Uh, again, one of those games where you like, like really called a season in question. This was early. Uh, and that team ended up being bad. Um, the Maryland team and us. Um, and then the top, the bottom five, 2011 at Pitt, 33-20. We were five and five, uh, five and six. We had just lost. That, like, that's, when I was, that's when I was out on Schaefer, that game. 11, 2011 at Pitt? No, not to, oh, to, uh, 2015. The 20, no, 2014 game at Pitt, that's similar to that one. That's when I was out on him. Okay. This is the, the 2011 um, Chandler Jones got caught because he was hobbled, returning an interception. Um, uh, should have been to the house. We we missed out on a bowl after beating West Virginia um, because we lost a bunch of games in a row. And this is the final game. I was also at this one. It was also a gross out, which is like a you know it impacts my thinking. Um, for number four, uh, two thousand nine at Louisville, ten to nine. You all remember this game? It was awful. This like in terms of just bad football, like this was the worst football game. All teams, all teams involved here. Um, two thousand twenty Liberty. I, I put it at the number three spot. Um, for all the reasons we mentioned before, beer. <laughs> Uh, and home field. Uh, Code Noons, 10% off. Um, my number two, uh, 2013 at Georgia Tech, 56-0. Self-explanatory. Just like, ugh. And then number one, I think he just has to be Akron, 08, 42-28. Yeah, I think that that is a, a pretty good list. A um, game that I, was so bad that we got a college game day feature about it. They I, 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 oh, I remember. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty miserable. I... Rather than like going, because I know you do a pretty extensive list. Um, the games that I would definitely have on there, I think Akron is number one. I actually think the Villanova win is number two. Yeah, if I had included any win, like that's the win that would have made the list for sure. Because like, there, there are very few wins that feel less like wins than that one. <laughs> if, any, if, if any win is on a list like that, I think, I think barely beating... Um, it's funny too, because I feel like a lot of the people that are hammering uh, Dino for losing to Liberty with most of the team injured... Um, we're defending him for, we're defending him because Hunt was out against uh, Villanova. That's a very fair point. <laughs> I wonder what the difference is in these situations. And also, Hunt wasn't that was the name Hunt punched a dude, right? Like, yeah, that was yeah, that was the game Hunt got thrown out in the first quarter. Which like that's not Schaefer's fault, but like if you're if we're gonna dial it all back to like responsibility and and playing like <laughs> clean football, like you're talking about. <laughs> Do during like early in a game during it as an FCS opponent is not um is not like 
good for Schaefer. <laughs> no, it's definitely not a point. Um, that's kind of what I knew that like that season was not going to go as planned. Um, as I'm sure many did. I was, uh, I was in a bar in Vancouver, as I've told this story before. I was in a bar in Vancouver, uh, my wife getting increasingly pissed off at me um, as I was streaming, a ga- uh, streaming the game um, underneath the bar. <laughs> Because I insisted we go to a bar that had Wi-Fi. I watched that game in Columbia, South Carolina in an empty apartment because my friends were in the process of moving. And then the next night went to the uh, their season opener against Texas A&M when they had very high expectations. And then Texas A&M absolutely just, like, murdered them on national television. Um, and uh, basically, like, that's when they kind of knew that the Steve Spurrier era was, like, on its way down. And... Um, I don't know that I was already all the way out on Schaefer after the Lenovo game, but that season, like, for sure, I was like, oh, we're not that good. Yeah, I wasn't out on him yet. I, I just thought the season might not go as planned because we were telling ourselves we were going to go, like, 9-3 and three that year for some reason. What, what do we think the Schaefer – what was the Schaefer, like, okay, this is over game? Does it no, for, for, like for, for, me, for me, it was the pit game. It was the 2014 pit game. We lost 30-7. to seven. Um, We punted from, like, the 35, and I was like, well oh. – like, like, like the, 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 that, that was, like, the Greg Robinson punted on third down, like, moment for me. Where I was like, I remember, I, like, I wrote the recap of that game, and I was like, nope, like I, I am, I am a hundred percent done. Like, 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 you cannot convince me that that anything that happened today was like defensible. Yeah, I think I held on a little longer, um, and then twenty fifteen, like we played LSU tough, but then the, the South Florida game, I think it was it for me. That's fair. Yeah, this. Um, I think this is a good question though, um, of like where where you. I feel like everyone was out on Greg after the first season. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even speak to it um, super well. I, I knew Robinson. Like, I went to Syracuse going into week one at Northwestern my freshman year, like, knowing Robinson was going to get fired that year. So it was kind of – that whole year was just like, um, well, so let's find out who our next coach is going to be for, like, the rest of my time here. <laughs> uh, and it was Doug Marone. It was pretty good. Yeah, I remember I remember SU being terrible, and I remember my dad asking me after I'd already said I was going there. He's like, he's like, oh, you want to watch that? Like, what was like, – like oh we're gonna watch the game or like or whatever it was and i was like yeah i think i have something better to do today <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it was just like robinson just like completely embarrassing like the history of syracuse but i yeah i feel like robinson's not an interesting answer for people i feel like schaefer would be a much more interesting conversation for a lot of people of like when they were because there's plenty of people that like still are bitter about it for reasons unknown i mean not unknown i know why but are bitter about it for their own reasons um I think it's, it's never healthy to like, and and we're we're defend we defend you know Dino still. Oh yeah, for sure. But like, eventually we won't if it keeps on going poorly. And we were this the same might way be with the game. Schaefer. Yeah, we were still we were the same way with Schaefer. If you want to go back to the old episodes, like they're still you know they're available. Um, yeah, it's it's just like you, it's not healthy for anyone to like attach themselves to a, an individual on a team. Um, the way that some people have done with Schaefer, and I'm sure some people will do with Dino if he if his turns sour and he gets fired. Um, like, I don't know. I just think, like, it's, it's not good to have, like, a cult of personality around a coach because they all, almost all of them get fired at some point, and you don't want to be stuck in a place where, like, you feel like you can't root for your school anymore or not hope for good things for your school because you're so attached to, like, one person doing well. Well, um, Syracuse is really bad at this. And, like, like look, we're included in that. Like, yes. where be, be, be because of, in particular, like, not, not just Bayheim, but Bayheim's one of many. Like, Bayheim, Ben, um... I don't think Desco is this, but Simmons and Simmons Jr. were this. Like, th- th- there's just this cult of personality that we need out of our coaches. 
and and, and that create that they kind of like you know accidentally deifies guys whether that's Marone or or Schaefer or and it's not just the the fans it's the media too like, like like there's just a desire to do that and I think we we, we did do it with Dino and, and 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 have done it with Dino to some extent just like we did with Schaefer after the first season went yeah. pretty well and to be fair like, Dino had our best and people like on the other side of this thing Dino had our best season in since 2001 like right. you can't take that away from him and you also can't pretend like and I don't I think people are harder on Dino than they were on Schaefer um for like relative to what they've accomplished at this point and I think there right. are a lot of reasons for that and you can read between the lines um but like Dino both had our pretty indisputably best season since 2001 uh since 2001 with mostly his own team obviously he inherited Dungey but I don't know that Dungey would have gotten to where he is without him I think it was very much a, a, a good relate, you know, a good pairing. And, um, and it's just like, you can't take that away from him, but also you can't just like pretend like these last two seasons are just none of his fault because like they very much are. I think the weirder part is like people going back to his first two seasons and saying like, well, he lost all these games. Like, yeah, well, I mean, he inherited a program that was like really closer to bottom being bottomed out than people want to admit because there's like the weird Schaefer deification because he was like the tough guy or whatever. And like I don't want to put it all on Schaefer. It's not all Schaefer's fault that that uh, Baber. Like these past few seasons are on Baber's, not Schaefer, um, for the most part. Like it, he's pretty much 2010 kind of or 2018 kind of cycles out like the Schaefer portion of this. But like pinning the first two bad seasons of a new program when the seasons before that were also bad are, are a weird thing to do when you're discussing where Baber's goes from here. Like I think the seasons that matter most for Baber's tenure right now are 2018 on. And like it's one really good, one like really disappointing last year, and one that looks like it's going to be um, kind of a disaster this year, albeit with the asterisk of like the entire world being a disaster. Um, so you kind of know next year's like year four of the post rebuild era, and like I think you then you kind of figure out where where you're at. So it's just I don't know. I think it's everyone's having a lot of trouble rolling everything together here and having proper contacts because there's a lot of like trying to pin more bad stuff on Babers on top of just like what it already has been. And then there's a lot of like, just like just weird standards all across the board. Yeah, I agree there. I think at this point though, it, like in, in, I know you alluded to this at this point, it's reasonable to question. It's reasonable to wonder like, okay, like when's the turnaround? And if not, like then when are we moving on? I think these are all fair questions to ask at this point. Oh Yeah. I totally. don't, yeah like I don't think it's worth moving on yet. Um, I, I think that everyone's kind of resigned themselves positively or negatively to Dino getting 2021 um, to figure things out. And realistically, I think every coach is going to get 2021 to figure things out, um, no matter how poorly 2020 might go for them. So, and I have, so, I have, I've had people on, on Twitter like say something about it, and we're like clearly out on Babers. But then when I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, he's not going to fired this year. And I've at least seen a lot of them be like, yeah, no, he definitely gets next year. And like, at least that's reasonable. You could say like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not going to get the job done and we had to figure this out post Babers, but at least, at least give me that like, yeah, he's going to get next year to try to fix it. Um, totally. And I think that's a reasonable take, even if you're out on him, like you just have to be realistic because he's just not going to get fired this year. I just don't think it's tenable. No, it's not. Um, and, 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 and like when you look at the lost revenues from like, like SU, like most schools gets a lot of money from, um, ticket sales, you know, concessions, obviously NCAA tournament money that wasn't collected this year. Like, like there, there's a lot of money that, that Syracuse is unable to um, collect. And, and, and for, for a team that, and, and a school that has to travel more than most, uh, whether that's a revenue or non-revenue sports, like th- that creates a lot of problems. So like realistically, like when you consider that plus buyout 
plus any potential buyout we'd have to pay another school um, to get their coach. Then you're looking at on top of those two buyouts and the shortcomings from COVID. Now, now we're gonna have to pay a competitive salary to a coach and staff. Like Syracuse doesn't have 15 to $20 million to toss into football salaries alone, basically in a single year, which is what I just spelled out. Like, do you, do you think that money's sitting around? <laughs> no, the only schools that's kind of like, that's kind of like, uh, have like a really hilarious uh, firing this year is Texas. <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah, hundred percent. Texas is that, definitely going to fire happening. Tom Herman, and it's it's like fifty percent because the players didn't stand for their alma mater the other day. <laughs> <laughs> like the football part of it's a lot of it, but it's not all of it, and it's because it like it it just it's really funny how much people were mad about that. Um, yeah, Tom, like, but Texas has all the money in the world. Like they have the highest value of any college football pro, uh, fr- uh, program, despite not being very good for a long time. Um, despite the fact that their best year uh, in like the last two coaches they've had is like probably slightly, it's probably, you know, you say it's probably better than our 2018, but it was the same amount of wins and like a slightly b- a better bowl game, but wasn't that much radically better. Um, that's, uh, that's just a heater of a take by me that I'm, I hope someone <laughs> on the Texas internet, <laughs> well, who's, who's, yeah, who's orange bloods is going to murder you. Who's 2018 was better Syracuse or Texas. I'm going to say it was Texas. I just don't think it was like that much better. Um, <laughs> What they were ten and four in a I'm Sugar Bowl, I'm, I'm like, you. yeah, um, and Georgia, like you know, West Virginia didn't really want to play. Georgia like played more guys, but you know, you, you get it. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, we're not Texas. We're not going to just like probably have to shell out like fifteen million dollars total to to buy out Herman plus. Um, actually, I think it's buyout fifteen million. So it's fifteen million to buy out Herman plus yeah, however much to hire. To hire like a top level coach who will inevitably not do well there. Um, yeah, it's uh, we don't have that. We like if this was Baber's last year, like on his D, if he was like a, a lame duck, maybe, but that never is the case. So, um, yeah, it's just 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 play, hope that he does well. Uh, hope that we see something the rest of the year. I think that's where we're we're heading here. Like, um, I think wins and losses is like going to be a tough measuring stick. Uh, and then like this weekend against Clemson, since that is the the preview episode we're on here. Um, just is just gonna be nothing. Clemson's just steamrolling teams right now. Um, they're barely playing their starters in the second halves of games. Um, but beyond that, like the rest of these games, you know, play the young guys. Um, just try to like develop some people because there's not much else. Like turn this into like really good practice and like really find out what you have in the depths of these pro- of this program because it's just like I, I don't know that like playing playing out to like try to win three or four games um, is that much more valuable than like, even if you win two, but you get a lot of good reps in. Like, I, I think I almost prefer that. I, I'd agree at this point. I mean, we'll, we'll do a very short Clemson preview of uh, Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball very well. The defense is getting after people and Travis Etienne could potentially run for 400 yards and a half against us, given how this uh, run defense has looked so far. <laughs> Considering Liberty just ran inside zone, uh, to seven yards of carry, and it felt way worse than that. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, this not ideal. I, I I do think that that they'll end up kind of. I think they'll completely mail it in. Uh, I could see their their reserves kind of still like hammering us. Um, I... it's, it's tough to know because they've played it both ways. This past weekend, they just went to town on Georgia Tech. I don't know. It's also a rivalry I, I, game. It's a rivalry like game, a real I guess. one, not like our rivalry game. And like I, they're playing for Atlanta recruits, and like Tetsman were competitive on the recruiting scene there. Um, 
I don't know if they're going to try to do that to us because we've been so pesty against them, or if Dabo like respects Dino enough to like the other side of things is they were up forty nine nothing at this, and, and I hate comparing us to an FCS team, but they were up forty nine nothing on the Citadel earlier this year uh, at half, and then they finished the game up forty nine nothing. So um, Dabo's gone both ways with like how to really do this. Um, I don't know what what side of it he'll take against us. Um, but I expect that we'll see. I think Lawrence usually will play like a couple drives in the second half, assuming things are like way out of hand. Um, and then like he's out by the third quarter, ETM's out by the third quarter. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. And and I guess if they pull their guys, like would you want to see? I know we say like you want to just have Culpepper play this weekend because, um, and I, I agree with this. Um, you don't want to throw one of the freshmen to the wolves, but if Clemson pulls their starters, do we do we think we see the uh, a backup this weekend? I, to be honest, I think we better. Like, I, like I, I'm going to be real. Like, what we saw from Rex in the second half last week was trash. Like, like, like relatively. Like, other than like the Queely touchdown late, like there wasn't really there wasn't really a lot to write home about there. Um, I, I think Rex deserves the ball to start the game, and I think he stands the best chance of like not getting like you know harmed irreparably from being out there against Clemson starters. But like, you know, once Clemson ends up up forty nothing or whatever, it ends up being. Like, and they start pulling starters, like, yeah, throw in Markowitz. Like, l- l- let's see what he can do. Like, let's try some things. Like, you know, don't, don't empty out the whole playbook. But like, let, l- let's just try to see w- what some of these younger guys can do um, so that we understand what we have on our hands for the rest of the season and into next year. Yeah. Also of note, just because it popped in my head, just like maybe one of the days you don't want to pull if you're playing the uh, young quarterbacks. And I know uh, he's now kind of controversial, but Tosh Harris, um, Again, for some reason, every year we have one of these receivers, and Taj is putting together um, one of the most impressive and completely unremarked about seasons that we've seen in a while. Except that, like Syracuse has this guy every year. Like he's just putting up great numbers every week. And well, it's just like this past week, like I mean, Rex just if if him and Rex, like him and Rex are on the same page, but if he had hauled them all in, like he could have had like a record breaking. Yeah, he still had ninety six and a touchdown. Um, he's liable to break one. Um, whenever he has great speed, I know he had the incident on the sideline, which I don't think they've talked about yet. Um, I don't yeah, even that's, know. That, 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 that's going to result in a in, in a one gamer. I probably. I, it, I, I, I mean, we might see like a half. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of. I, I don't think we need to like freak out about it, but also it's like probably worthy of some discipline, and I don't really know how else you do it other than that. Um, so we'll see. It wouldn't surprise me if it was like an unannounced. Uh, unannounced one game or unannounced like he'll take the first half off and then he'll get to play with Markowitz in the second half. Um, that'd be dope. <laughs> that'd be, yeah, that, that's just like, that's like an underhanded, like non-suspension. Um, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, I know Taj went on Twitter and said it wasn't, that's not what he was doing. I don't know what he could have been doing if that wasn't it. Um, but in any case, like beyond that, he's having an uh, unbelievable season. 434, I think he was, is he leading the ACC in receiving? If not, he's close. Uh, I can check right now. He's, he's got 26 26- Catches for 434 and four touchdowns. I think he's already set a career high in touchdowns. Um, he's 14 off his career high in receptions. He's only like 100 yards or so off from his uh, career high in uh, in receiving yards. Yeah, it's right now. Like, even these even it. these bad Syracuse teams under Babers, like, and and this offense isn't even like going fast or anything. But if you're the number one receiver in this offense, you will put up a thousand yards and like eight touchdowns. It just yeah, which like puts you on NFL year. radars. Like, and, and what that's what I don't understand is why we can't get better receivers, like in the door from a like recruiting standpoint. Because you look at the numbers that you're able to like again, like you said, Todd's on a bad team. He's got 
the sixth most receptions in the conference. He's third in yards, and he's one of six guys who has four or more receiving touchdowns this year. Like, I don't know. Like, like all, all that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I just hope he comes back next year because, like, it'd be nice to actually get one of these guys who, like, has a breakout season and then returns since it's been pretty much seniors across the board. Um, I don't think he's done enough to get picked, to be honest. Yeah, no. That, that, that's, and that's the other thing. And then, like, this probably doesn't help him. Uh, get picked either um and he won't get much attention for being on Syracuse even like compared to like Amba um yeah so I mean uh, there there are bright spots which like uh, Sean Tucker awesome like looks like our honestly looks like our best running back in a long time um and like Moniel was great I think Tucker Tucker just has like he has it like you see with some running backs they just have this like it just seems like they have an intuitive like ability to know exactly what they have to do all at all times. And he just, he just looks like such a natural ball carrier. Um, uh, I think, you know, and we've had some really good running backs here uh, in recent years. I think he's going to be the best one in a long time. Um, and that's a, uh, you know, I said semi bold statement. Yeah, no, I buy it. I'm hundred percent on board with that. Yeah. I, so hopefully we continue to accentuate the good things. Hopefully the offensive line progresses. Hopefully no one else gets seriously injured. Um, and we can, you know, try to make something of the season because like, I'll, I mean, I'll still be watching every game because I do this to myself, but like, I think that, that we, we talked about it fairly often. It's usually about like the difference between like playing for a national championship and, and playing, you know, the 2018 season or the 2010 season. Well, like even in a season that's like completely lost, you, you can find some things to take away for the future. It's not like a, it's not like a Super Bowl or bus type situation, um, that like some NFL teams find themselves in. You have to. You have to try to look for the positives in college football because so few teams are actually competing for a national championship realistically. Yeah, I agree with that. As 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 you, like you are, and many listeners are fans of a team that does not compete for national championships by and large. Um, Dan, we don't have to go into full detail here, but what is your uh, score prediction in this game? Who oh boy, um, Syracuse, Clemson, fifty six, Syracuse, thirteen. I'm going to go pretty close. I'm going to go 63-13. Clemson wins. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, all the things I said before, I think they're just going to run all over us and then just kind of coast. Yeah, I think think ETN, 180 first half yards, um, one carry in the second half. Yeah, I I think think ETN goes for... I think ETN goes for 192 and and four touchdowns in the first half, and and, and then they just call it there. Honestly, like, and I think Lawrence is probably the Heisman leader right now. And it's very early, and Justin Fields hasn't played yet, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that a ETN wouldn't isn't more impressive. Like at a college level, I think Lawrence is going to be the number one pick to one of the New York teams. Um, but ETN is like, what, he's just incredible. He's been incredible the whole time he's been in college. He's he's another guy, and obviously, I'm not comparing Sean Tucker to Travis ETN, but like, he is like the definition of the guy that looks. Ex- he just has like in his bones, he's a running back. Like that's the only thing he could have ever played. Um, not to say he wasn't, he wasn't athletic enough to play another position, but like, it would be like a shame to not have him be running back because he just looks like he knows exactly what he needs to do at every moment, touching with the ball. Um, and he's a great receiver. He's just so dynamic. This is his um, lowest yards per carry. That's <laughs> at Clemson somehow. Yeah. What's he right. like? He's probably five Six. and change. Six point six point five one is his lowest. He's seven point eight last year, eight point one three in twenty eighteen, and seven point one six in twenty seventeen. Yeah, he should have absolutely not come back to college. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. Um, Clemson just like 
you know, as unlucky as Syracuse has been, Clemson is incredible. Uh, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Clemson, but not every school gets Travis Etienne to come back for a senior year for no real reason amid a global pandemic. Um, but he, but he went back. Um, he's probably going to be drafted around the same time as he would have been drafted this past year. But like that dude is just so good. Um, yeah. So I, I guess like enjoy watching him play, uh, against us, against anyone. Cause he's just a delight. Agreed. Yeah. If, if, if you'd like to see the, uh, the NFL, what happens when, um, an NFL scout team gets to play against the local PAL squad, um, <laughs> The, the the rare found footage you'll get to see it on Saturday. It's like when when like those old school stores you see were like local really good college played like the oil company, <laughs> like, like the this? Georgia Tech Cumberland game. Yes, um, I I do not think we're gonna lose two hundred twenty two to nothing. Um, no, I, oh. I, I pray not. Although it would be a real story. Like, does, at what point do you just like start rooting for Clemson to store more? Is it to get over the hundred mark? Is it like they need I to just... store hundred to make this like a thing? I just I, I don't want to cover that because at that point <laughs> you have to fire Dino. Yeah, that's the only problem is like at that you, I don't think you could defend like even even for the comic like angle of it like I don't think you can defend giving up a hundred points. Um, so I guess I hope that doesn't happen. Um, I hope we keep it respectable. I hope I mean I hope we win. Uh, real and and we've done that. We've almost beaten Clemson so many times. We've beaten them once. Um, even bad teams have almost beaten Clemson. So it's not like there you know there's like a half percent chance that we like. Give him a give him a real stare, but uh, yeah, just just weird. Just uh, I don't expect it though. I think I think the other problem is that Clemson is not going to underestimate us because they know that because we've we've played them hard more often than we played them the whole time. So um, I don't think we're going to get like a, a, a Clemson that isn't expecting that. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Like this is not not one of those situations where like a, a plucky Syracuse team like take somebody by surprise no we we caught them once and again like that wasn't even the, the win wasn't even the first time we played them well uh uh um who was our quarterback uh the the small quarterback who aj long aj Launder must beat them at clemson um i almost put that on that list except that oh, i'm like wow. you know what i actually felt pretty good after that game Same. despite the fact that it was 16 to 6 and we punted the ball a thousand times it was an unwatchable game it was it was a bad game and we almost beat clemson um we almost beat them at the dome like two other times um yeah, it's it's yeah, that's I guess it's like a it's a nice thing to say about our program is that like Clemson will never take us easily. Yeah. I would agree there. Um cool. Well, uh I think that's it from us this week. Dan, anything else you wanted to add? No, I think that's uh pretty much it. Um everyone uh hope that we look plucky and, and have a decent time on Saturday. Um I, I, I'm really relieved that we have all these new games, honestly, considering how the season looks like it's going to go. It's nice to just get it out, get it out first, and then enjoy the rest of college football. Yeah, or in my case, I've just been walking away because just, I'm just disgusted by what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, I don't know where else, Overcast, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify. Spotify. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and go orange. Go orange.